it going, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. If you remember last year on the show, I did an episode where I talked about every single horror film that I watched in 2020, and of course, that episode came out in October. So there were plenty of films after that that I needed to talk about to round out the rest of the year. So this is going to be a part two to that conversation from last year's episode. If you haven't listened to last year's episode, I highly recommend that you go check that one out first, as this is the continuation of that discussion. Discussion, and we're just going to get right to it because this is another solo show. So you're going to be listening to me for a long time. So we're going to get right to it. If you guys haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to the show. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. Leave a rating and a review if it lets you do so. Leave a comment down below if you're on YouTube. And leave me a voicemail at my new voicemail number. The link will be in the description. Again, we're going to get right to the show. So now let's get spooky. All right, boys and ghouls, we're rolling sound here. Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. We're doing another solo show today. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. We're just going to go ahead and we're going to get right started. You heard my pre-recorded intro to this. You've read the title, so you know we're reviewing every film that I saw in 2020 after I did my video where I described every horror film that I saw in 2020 up to that point. Because obviously that episode came out in October. And you know, after October, there are a few more months in the end of the year. So of course, I saw some horror films during that time. And I've talked about some of these on other episodes of the show and episodes of Two Nerds, a podcast with Jared last year. Um, But some people don't listen to both of the shows, um, so some of you may not have heard my discussion on some of these films um, that I'm going to talk about in this podcast. So again, this is the second part to last year's episode where I reviewed every horror film that I saw in 2020. This is finishing out the year. So I'm not sure how long this particular podcast is going to go because instead of covering January through the beginning of October, this is going to be covering after that. So it's only a few months out of the year, um, but I did see quite a few films during this time. Um, And again, I just hope all you guys are doing well. I hope that this spooky season has been great to you. Um, It has been for me. I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes that I've put out so far. Of course, if there's anything you guys want to hear me talk about on the show, if you have any guests in mind that you want me to bring onto the show, please let me know down in the comment section below over on YouTube. Um, Tweet to me. Of course, I set up a voicemail box. You guys can go ahead and leave me a voicemail. Maybe I'll play your messages on the show if you so choose. Um, let's do this right now. So if you're interested in having your voice on the show, leave me a voicemail. Tell me what the best horror film that you've seen so far in 2021 is. And maybe when I do the 2021 podcast of all the horror films I've seen, if we've seen any films, um, like if we've seen the same stuff, I'll use your voice in the episode. I'll interconnect them. Um, it'll be, it'll be cool. I've heard podcasts do that before. Um, a little bit of fan response. So let's, let's do that. So any horror film that you saw in 2021 that you liked, whether it be a new release or just something you watched, let me know through my voicemail. Um, and we'll show it on the show when I do that episode. And yeah, so as I said, this is rounding out the 20. 
2020 year. Of course, 2020 was absolutely abysmal. 2021 hasn't been that much better. It's been better because, I mean, the world opened up for a bit. Um, and at the time of recording this, I don't know if things shut down yet. Again, I'm recording this a little bit early. Um, I guess to sort of peel back the curtain here, this is August. Um, it's an August evening right now. And you know what? If people, if, if after this year, people are still believing climate change is a hoax, like, I don't know what to tell people because every day so far in August and late July, it's been downpouring for like, an hour every single day. Like, I feel like I'm living in Florida. Like, back when I vacationed in Florida, you just came became accustomed to the fact that for about an hour or so a day, it's just gonna have, like, a tsunami. It's gonna... Rain is gonna be pouring from the heavens um, unabashedly. It's gonna be completely insane for, like, an hour, and then it's fine for the rest of the day. It's hot as hell. And that's what it's been in Ohio this year. I mean, literally just right now, we got a severe weather warning um, that there's going to be 80 mile per hour winds to get away from your windows and stuff. And it was going to, there's severe thunderstorm warning from like five o'clock to like six 30. Like, I don't know what's going on. We're in end times, man. But you know what? By the time this podcast comes out, I hope that we are in a much better spot than we are right now. Um, but you know, we'll see when it comes to October. Again, I have no clue because this is coming out in advance. So you'll know if the world's gone to shit and you know what? Maybe I will too. But you know what? We're just going to go ahead and we're going to get right started with the films that I saw in 2020 that were left out of last year's all the films I saw in 2020 episode. So last year, if you remember, I left off with The Craft um, because the other films that I saw were The Innkeepers and Undead. We had done an episode about that, so I figured that that would be a good ending point to end this episode. So we're going to start things off with a bang. We're going to be talking about Orgy of the Dead. Orgy of the Dead, if you guys haven't heard of it before, it was produced by Ed Wood, maybe ghost-directed by Ed Wood. It sort of seems like it. it has a lot of, as Cinemassacre would say, Ed Wood-isms in it. Um, basically, it's like softcore porn, where the this couple is driving along and they basically, they get in a car accident, they're spinning like crazy, and all of a sudden they're in this weird, like, underworld-type scenario where all these girls are dancing, basically. Um, I will read the description for this film on Letterboxd. It says, A masterpiece of erotic horror. Orgy of the Dead is an unrated 1965 film directed by Stephen S. Apostoloff um, under the alias A.C. Stephen. The screenplay was adapted by cult film director Edward D. Wood Jr. from his own novel, an erotic novel by Ed Wood. Add that to your Amazon wish list, ladies and gentlemen. It is a combination of horror and erotica and is something of a transition for Wood, who began as a horror writer and later began writing pornography. Um, if you guys have seen the Cinemassacre review of this, um, you know how crazy this film is. If you haven't seen his review of the film, go check it out. It's part of his Ed Woodathon. Um, but basically, the film is completely ridiculous. It's just a bunch of girls dancing around. Um, I forget what his name Criswell. Criswell is like narrating this whole thing. He's like, throw gold at her, throw gold at the girls. And we had this on VHS. Um, it was one of my one of the things I had to acquire for my collection. And it's just really weird, man. It's like 
part comedy. I mean, there's not it's not a straight up porn like there's no sex in it or anything. It's just more like an erotic film. Um just people dancing and a lot of weird goofy moments like day and night shifts all the time. It doesn't make any sense. The timeline is all weird. There's no plot basically. I mean, I guess you're waiting for these humans to get out of captivity, but that doesn't matter. The majority of the film is just weird songs and topless women dancing to them. Um, and just weird stuff going on. And it's it's funny. It's very funny. Um, I would definitely say it's not a film for everyone. Um, but me and my wife watched it. We both got a good kick out of it. Um, it was pretty funny. So if you can hunt this one down, I would say check it out. Um, it might be a good movie to throw on. Uh, like, with a group of friends, if you're just hanging out, just have it on the background, like, not pay attention too much to it. The music is absolutely outrageous. Um, it's a lot of fun if you're watching it, um, with the right group of people, if you're watching it by yourself and in the right headspace, just kind of have it on in the background. It's really funny. Um, the next film on the list is not a horror film, per se. Um, it's a film that Dynamite Jared and Midnight Miles give me a lot of shit about. It's The Guest by Adam Wingard from 2014. Um, it's not a horror film, but I'm just bringing it up because the film takes place with, like, a Halloween aesthetic. Um, there's lots of Halloween decorations all around, and the climax of the film happens, like, at a, like, haunted house-type scenario, like a Halloween thing at the school going on in the gym. Um, again, it's not a horror film. I don't really like the film that much. Everyone gives me shit for thinking that this film is overrated. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I just think it's really generic. I think it's boring. Um, and I don't know. Like, Jared gets on me. He's like, oh, yeah, it's predictable. Like, blah, 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 everything's predictable. And it's just like, I don't know. For me, the film just doesn't do it for me. I don't need to justify why. It just doesn't do it for me. I've seen it twice now. And it's just not good. I, don't, I just don't enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, I'm bringing it up just because it has a Halloween aesthetic. It sort of fits in um, with the Halloween theme. Um, and after that, we reviewed Halloween 2018 for the second time. So we did this on the Two Nerds podcast. Um, Halloween 2018, in my opinion, is the third best Halloween film of all time. Um, face Your Fate, Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, quote-unquote final. There's literally two more, um, one of which is coming out this year. Um, the masked figure who haunted her since she was narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Again, I did a whole podcast with Jared about this one, so I don't really want to go too in-depth on it. Um, just go listen to that episode. It's a Two Nerds podcast um, from last year. But long story short, if you're not going to be listening to that episode, I still think the film holds up. Um, because I had only seen it in theaters when it came out, and then this was my second time rewatching it. I still think it holds up. I definitely wasn't, you know, like, just in awe of the fact that I was seeing a new Halloween movie, because I had already seen it. It had already been out for a few years. Um, so the mystique of it has sort of worn off, but it still holds up as a film. So that wasn't clouding my judgment at all. Like seeing it on the big screen for the first time, none of that was there and the film still held up. I still think it's a really great film. Of course, there's still things that I don't like about it. I brought those up as well. Um, but overall, really, really great film. Um, I definitely recommend it. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. I guess I should mention I gave Orgy of the Dead one and a half stars on Letterboxd. Just because I, I really can't justify giving anything more than that. I mean, come on, bro. Um, but either way, the next film that I watched was Halloween 2 
1981, which in my opinion is the second best Halloween film ever made. The nightmare isn't over. After failing to kill her stubborn survivor, Lori, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I cannot read. Maybe I shouldn't read these letterbox descriptions. After failing to kill stubborn survivor Lori and taking a bullet or six from former psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis, Michael Myers has followed Lori to the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where she's been admitted for Myers' attempt on her life. The institution proves to be particularly suited for serial killers, however, as Myers cuts, stabs, and slashes his way through hospital staff to reach his favorite victim. And again, I flubbed over that a million times, so that might be the last of the descriptions I read in this episode. I don't want to be a complete failure. Um, but anyway, Halloween 2, again, I did a whole other podcast about this last year. In the, actually, was that two years ago? Oh, no, I think, yeah, that was last year. That was last, was it? Was it seriously two years ago? No, 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 no. It had to have been last year. The top 10 Halloween films was last year because that was one of my favorite videos that we did last year. So that had to be it. Um, but yeah, I talked about the film at length in that episode. Of course, Midnight Miles talked about it at length as well, because of course that was also on his list. Um, I won't spoil where it was on his. You will have to listen to the episode to find out about that one. The next thing I watched was Oculus. We did a podcast about that, so I'm not going to speak too much about Oculus. The next thing I watched was actually a mini series. Over the Garden Wall. I did a video about this. It's an underrated video on my channel. That was one that I had a lot of fun doing. I wrote it, shot it, edited it, and I think uploaded it in the same day. It was just one of those videos that just kind of flowed together. It's not a film. It's not really horror, but again, it has that Halloween, like, otherworldly aesthetic to it. Um, the film, the, I, I, even I'm calling it a film, even though it's a miniseries. If you watch it all together in one shot, it's basically the length of a film. So, I, yeah, it's a film. It's a film. Over the Garden Wall is a film. It's just broken up into several little, little vignettes. So, I see it as one thing. Um, I think you should watch it all at once. Um, and again, I talked about it in that episode, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. Um, but really, really enjoyable. Three and a half stars on that one. Um, of course, Halloween 2 had four and a half stars. Halloween had only four. These next couple, again, I've talked about already, so I'm not going to do it again. Um, White Zombie, I did a full commentary of White Zombie on my channel. So go check that out. If you haven't seen White Zombie before... Um, I would definitely go and watch it with me because I know a lot of people, that's why I like doing these commentaries because a lot of people haven't seen these older films and a lot of times they're a lot slower than films we're used to today. Of course, they're in black and white. Um, some of the films I've done are silent films and a lot of people haven't seen them before because to be honest, a lot of times when you're watching them by yourself, it's a lot to get through and it's really hard to stay awake at some points, I mean, quite honestly, of course, like, I'm fine doing it, like, if you're really into these films, like, you can watch them fine, but to, like, casual audiences, they can be pretty tough to get through, so, you know, sometimes it's good to just have a friend there, and I am that friend, um, so that's why I do these commentaries, so if you haven't seen White Zombie before, and you don't have anyone to watch it with, watch it with me, I'll talk you through it, I'll help you make it through the film, um, so yeah, White Zombie, I gave it three stars, Popcorn, was the next film. I did a podcast about that, of course, so I'm not gonna go into that one either. 
And the next two films that are in my list that I watched in 2020, I saw at the drive-in. And I haven't been back to the drive-in yet this year because, quite honestly, they haven't been playing anything in my local drive-in that I've really wanted to see because now we are back into new release season. Um, films are coming out in cinemas. So my drive-in has been getting a lot of new movies that I either don't have interest in, have seen in the theaters already, or just want to watch on HBO Max. Um, and also, of course, finding the time to do it, finding the friends to do it with. Um, it's just been very difficult. I want to get back to the drive-in this year. Hopefully soon. Hopefully once October finally rolls around for me, they're playing some like horror films, doing some double, triple features, stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to the drive-in. And this was actually a double feature of two really great films, The Legend of Boggy Creek and Night of the Living Dead. This was a collaboration between not only the drive-in, but the Cinematheque Film Institute in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland State's sort of film preservation cinema where it shows a lot of like very um what's the word i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but very like high class films classics stuff that you'd see on criterion um just like really good like noteworthy films are what they play so they did a double feature that night partnering with the drive-in because of course the cinematech was closed because of covid so they were like, you know what, we're st we still want to show films, so let's just do it at the drive-in. So that's what they did, and the films they brought to us on that crisp October evening was The Legend of Boggy Creek, Night of the Living Dead. Legend of Boggy Creek, of course, is a film about Bigfoot. A true story, quote-unquote. A documentary-style drama based on true accounts of the monster in Arkansas, Boggy Creek, focuses on the lives of backcountry people and their culture while chronicling sightings of this monster. So, I had thought going in, because I this was my first time seeing the film, I, but I had heard a lot about it. I heard it was sort of like in mockumentary style, where it's all these people talking about Bigfoot, but you don't see Bigfoot until like the very, very end, which sort of gives it away that it's not a real documentary. Um... But, to my surprise, you see Bigfoot through a lot of this film. Um, and it's really great. I, I really like The Legend of Boggy Creek. It's a little slow. But in my mind, this film was the perfect film to see at a drive-in. You want to see a Bigfoot film outside. With a bunch of people in the woods. You could know, Who knows? Bigfoot could be out there with you, for all that you know. Um, for me, this was just a really, really great experience seeing it at the drive-in. I don't think there's anything, there would have been anything like it. I think that was the perfect way to see the film for the very first time. Um, there's not as much to say about it. Again, like, if I were to critique it, I wouldn't have shown Bigfoot as much, I guess. Um, but you know what? No, never mind. I think the film works for what it is because it doesn't portray itself as a mockumentary. I thought it was supposed to be a mockumentary, when in fact it's sort of like, a f I don't even know what the word for it is. It is it is documenting these things that actually happen, but it's also fictionalized because it's showing Bigfoot, like a guy in a Bigfoot suit, obviously, committing the acts that the people are saying that he is. Um, there's some really great characters in this, like the human characters. Um, there's this one like guy that like lives out in the woods. He's a riot. Um, and yeah, the, the film is just really great. I don't know if I would watch it again, but if I do watch it again, I'm watching it outside. 
I'm never going to watch a Boggy Creek film indoors. Either I'll find a way to set up a projector outside, watch it outside, or go see it at the drive-in again, or what have you. There are a few sequels to The Legend of Boggy Creek. I haven't seen those. I am looking forward to seeing them potentially some point down the road. Um, I, I gave it three stars, which is a pretty solid rating for me. Um, Night of the Living Dead, of course, four and a half stars, one of my favorite films of all time. Um, and it was cool seeing that at the drive-in. Of course, I've seen it many, many times in many different formats. I've seen it on VHS. I've seen it on DVD. I've seen it on those shitty DVD packs. I've seen it on YouTube. Um, I've watched commentaries of it. Um, I've seen it a lot of different ways, but this is my first time seeing it at the drive-in. It was quite the experience. It was the way, again, like, I feel like a lot of these older films are, like, meant to be seen at, like, a drive-in. Um, that's the perfect, like, drive-in movie, and that was the perfect, like, drive-in double feature, is Legend of Boggy Creek, Night of the Living Dead. Like, how could you get any more classic than that? Those two films, like, because, like, yeah, you could see, like, The Exorcist and stuff, but, like, there's something about the vibe of Night of the Living Dead that fits in with a drive-in better than something like Halloween or Exorcist or Nightmare on Elm Street. There's something about, like, the indie quality of Night of the Living Dead, not that those films aren't indie or don't have the same quality or whatever, but you you get what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It's just a d- completely different vibe with Night of the Living Dead. Um, again, I don't want to go too in-depth with that. That might be one I have to do a commentary of at some point in the future. It's just hard because, like, I want to do... It's easier to do the commentaries on silent films because there's no talking. So, like, when I'm doing a commentary... <clears throat> excuse me. When I'm, like, doing a commentary on something that has dialogue in it, like, I just need to learn when to not talk and just let the film play or when to talk over the dialogue. Um, and I've only done the... So far, I've only ever recorded a film with dialogue once, The White Zombie. But I just remember being very cautious, like, oh, should I be talking? Should I not be talking? I don't know what to do. Um, so maybe None of the Living Dead is an option, but I am not sure. Um, and then we're going to be moving on to the next film that I saw, which was The Evil Dead, the original. I saw this at a bar. They were doing a night where they were showing horror films, and I went because they were showing the original Evil Dead that night. Um, they were playing it on repeat, actually. Some nights they would do like multiple films. Some nights they would just have the same film on over and over and over again. This night, I think they just played Evil Dead um, a few times. I went once. I mean, we got food or whatever. We hung out. Um, so I wasn't really watching the film the whole time, but it's worth bringing up. I did see the key moments in it. Um, I like Evil Dead 2 a lot better, obviously, but I still appreciate the original Evil Dead for what it is. It's just the fact that Ash wasn't Ash. The big appeal to Evil Dead is Ash Williams. Um, and in the first film, he's just not there. Um, it's still a good film. I still really respect the film. Um, but for me, it just doesn't do it. I still like it a lot. Still a four-star film b- to me. But, like, when you compare it to Evil Dead 2, man, I mean, I don't know. So up next, after Evil Dead, I ended up watching Suspiria with my wife. It was her first time watching it. I had seen it many, many years prior um, back when I was living in Kent, we did it as part of our Monster Madness 31 Days of Horror when we were watching stuff every single day. 
um, sometimes double features. Um, so the first time I watched it, I wasn't really in the correct headspace <laughs> to be watching Suspiria. It's kind of like an immersive, I mean, if you've seen the film, you know it's an immersive film. Um, it's not really something to watch with a big group of people, um, who are talking, drinking, hanging out, and all that kind of stuff. It's more of, like, an immersive, like, solo or one or two people experience. With that, it's not really a party film, which is basically what the films we were trying to watch when we were doing all those films back in Kent. It's certainly not a party film. There were a few films that we watched in Kent, like, I don't know, like, The Blair Witch Project and some other things that definitely weren't films to watch with a big group of people. I'm talking, like... 10, 15 people all crowded in a room. Um, Suspiria isn't really one to watch with that quite of an eclectic group. Um, but Suspiria, great, great film. Of course, this is Dario Argento um, from 1977. The most frightening film you'll ever see. Um, from the moment she arrives in Germany to attend the prestigious Tanz Academy, American ballet dancer Susie senses that something horribly evil lurks within the walls of this age-old institution. Um, this is one that, again, I said my wife was seeing it for the first time, and at the time we watched this, we were on a big witch kick. Um, in my video last year when we did the video um, of the films I saw in 2020, the part one of this, I talked about how we watched The Craft. Um, I just bought her a craft t-shirt. We were going to all these witch occult stores. Um, so witches were something we were very into at the time, so I thought, what the hell, we're gonna watch Suspiria, it's a witch film. Um, the colors in this film are just absolutely striking, if you've seen any imagery from the film, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I love the film, after giving it a second viewing the first time, as I said, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, uh, mainly because I wasn't really in the mood to watch something like that. Uh, but I gave it three and a half stars, really great film. Um, it's one of those films that when you watch it, the imagery is never going to leave you. Um, like, there's certain, like, just as I'm talking to it right now, I'm thinking of very specific scenes in the film. Um, like, the big foyer with the person hanging, and I don't want to give away a bunch of spoilers and stuff like that, but there's definitely some very, very noteworthy imagery in this film. And, I mean, Dario Argento was always known for those striking visuals, um, so that's not, um... Something that's uncommon. If you heard my phone go off, I owe, I owe all of you guys a Broken Skull IPA um, when I see you. Um, next film we watched was Evil Dead 2. And I think the main reason I watched this is mainly because we watched the original Evil Dead um, a couple days prior when we were at the Foundry. And you know what? I just had to round it out watch Evil Dead 2 again. Um, I don't know what else to say about Evil Dead 2 that I haven't said on other shows. It's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Definitely my favorite horror sequel. If you've watched my top 10 horror sequels conversation with Midnight Miles. Midnight Miles Android, the Midnight Mandroid. What a guy. Um, but yeah, Evil Dead 2, my favorite sequel of all time, so I'm not going to spend too much time harping on Evil Dead 2. It just takes everything the original does and does it the way that it should have been the first time. Um, again, in the original Evil Dead, I said that Ash isn't really Ash. I mean, he's the character Ash, but he's not the personality of Ash Williams that we know. He's just sort of a generic character. Um, but this version of Ash is obviously the version that had carried on into Army of Darkness, had carried on into the video games, into the new series. This is the character everyone knows and loves. So, which is why it's great. It's not only great because of that, but it's also great just because it's a good film. I mean, it's this quintessential Cabin in the Woods movie. Um, of course, you have the crazy camera angles from visionary director Sam Raimi. 
Um, you get the camera going through the car. It's chasing Ash throughout the house. Um, it's just really a revolutionary film when you think about it. A lot of people, I think, take it for granted and take its influence um, with a grain of salt. Like, they don't really see it as the landmark that I do. Maybe I'm just crazy, but maybe you agree. If you agree, let me know down in the comments below. Or let me leave me a voicemail. Let me know if you like Evil Dead 2. I've, the voicemail will be in the description. Um, so leave me a voicemail. Maybe one day we'll do a whole podcast reviewing all of the Evil Dead films in the series when I finally watch the series. Um, the next film um, is The Invitation. Oh, The Initiation. I apologize. The Initiation. So this film I had seen the cover of for years. And I sort of had like... I don't know, I had like a hunch of what the film was going to be about, but the film was actually nothing that I expected. If you've ever seen the cover for this film, it's just a hand holding a burning candle. And I had thought, okay, this is going to be an initiation into some sort of cult or something like that, some sort of devil worship, something going on. I thought it was going to be more supernatural than what it was. But you watch the film, and this is from 1984, and, of course, during that time, the slasher genre was in full effect. So the poster is kind of misleading for this one, because this is a straight-up slasher. Um, but the initiation that it's referring to is it's a sorority. Um, so the tagline is, Be young, stay young, and die young. Kelly, a young woman, has been plagued by nightmares of a burning man her entire life. Upon entering college, she pledges a sorority that forces them to perform an initiation night prank. With several of her friends, she breaks into a store and unfortunately discovers that it is impossible to exit from the building after it is entered illegally. Trapped in a new nightmare, Kelly must fight for survival. And basically, yeah, this is a film where I, th I believe it's actually a shopping mall, um, if I'm not mistaken. They break into the mall and they're trying to get out, or maybe it is a store. I can't really recall the specifics of it, um, but ba it's, a, it's a stocking sl slasher film. Um, and there's a mystery involved, like who's doing the killing, stuff like that. It's a very good standard slasher. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it does kind of get lost in the shuffle of all the other slashers going on at the time. And there were a lot better slashers at that time to watch. So if you're looking for something different, I would say check out The Initiation. I gave it three stars. Um, but it's not something that's groundbreaking. It's not something that really, I don't know, uh, moved the pin needle at all. Um, it's just a really fun film. I enjoy it. Um, I would watch it again. Um, the next film that I watched was with a group of people. Actually, I think my mother-in-law was over at the time. Um, we watched Trick or Treat again. Well, it was the, all of their first times. I had, I've, of course, watched it a plethora of times. Trick or Treat, probably my favorite horror anthology. Um, it's tough to say, though, but it's definitely my favorite modern horror classic, if you've listened to that podcast. Um, Trick or Treat, is, as I said, it's an anthology with all stories centered around Halloween. It's probably the most aesthetically pleasing Halloween film ever made. There's pumpkins everywhere, decorations, just the whole atmosphere screams Halloween um, in October and fall time. Um, that's one I might have to do a whole review on, or a 15 Phenomenal Facts or something, because that's one film that I really, really love a lot. Um, so I'm not going to go too much on it, because I've talked about it a lot on other shows. Um, but Trick or Treat, easy four and a half stars. Of course, there are a few things I would probably do differently in it, but they're very, very minimal. Basically, my ratings is, like, if I think the film is, like, absolutely, like, great, like, a perfect film almost... 
it's four stars, sometimes four and a half. In order for it to get like four and a half or five stars, it has to be not only like a perfect film, but it has something I have to have like a deep, like emotional connection to. Um, so that's why I'm giving this one four and a half because it's not a perfect film, but my emotional connection to it is so great that it puts it above the four star mark for me. Um, the next film is The Taking of Deborah Logan. I had watched this with Jared. Um, I can't recall if we talked about this in one of the episodes we did last year or not. Um, but The Taking of Deborah Logan, it's a found footage film. Um, it's basically they go to make a documentary about this Alzheimer's patient, and things go a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, you've probably seen some of the images of the climax of this film. Um, so I guess I will just go ahead and spoil part of it, because everyone's seen it. I won't really say, like, what's going on with it, but everyone's seen the image of Deborah Logan, basically. I mean, it's no shocking surprise. She is the taking of Deborah Logan, so obviously she gets something happening to her when her job becomes completely unhinged and she's devouring the young girl. Um, everyone's seen that image. It's one of those, like, cursed images online. I see it a lot on Facebook that's like, if you don't share the, <laughs> if you don't share this in five minutes, she'll be at your bedside tonight. And, like, stupid stuff like that, like, old people post on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but it's a very interesting film. Of course, I am a filmmaker, so I always enjoy films that are about filmmaking. So, this one, the tagline is, Evil Lives Within You. Um, and it's basically, yeah, as I said, it's a medical documentarian goes to um, document this Alzheimer's patient. And I remember her, like, camera crew is like, I'm leaving, like, screw this, this is, like, fucked up or whatever. And then she just keeps offering them more money to stay, and they're like, well, shit... And some crazy things go, like, you see Deborah Logan, like, in the attic, like, painting in the middle of the night, and there's some weird stuff going on, and of course the mystery unfolds to see why she is getting possessed. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a good film. Um, it's not one I don't think I'm going to be watching again anytime soon. I gave it two and a half, um, which I think is a pretty good, like, standard middle-of-the-road film. The next film we watched is Willow Creek. And this is a film that Jared absolutely despises. Um, if you've seen the poster, it's Bigfoot. Bigfoot is on the poster. Willow Creek is a city in the Pacific Northwest. And so it's tying in Bigfoot with a town that really celebrates Bigfoot. Um, if you've seen episodes of BuzzFeed Unsolved, of course, they go to Willow Creek, and they go to the diner where you can get a Bigfoot burger, you can go to the Bigfoot Museum, and in this film, they actually visit a lot of those places, which I really like. That was one of the things I liked about this film. Um, it's directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, who, of course, the famous comedian, um, and it's about a young couple that ventures into the woods to capture fit footage of Bigfoot. Um, and... I didn't really like this film. There are a lot of things I like about it a lot. Like I said, going through the, um, like going to get the Bigfoot, I think they go and get a Bigfoot burger in the film, they go to the museum, they do all these things that like are places that I want to visit in real life, so it's just nice to see some of that stuff, but when it's actually becoming like a Bigfoot film, I think it's pretty weak. It's just a lot of them intense, like, hearing noises outside, like, freaking out. Um, I remember the climax. The climax is pretty good. But for the most part in the film, you're just sitting there with them in the tent. 
and you're just listening to noises. It's very boring. It's very dry. Um, I think Jared fell asleep at some point. Um, so the good parts in it aren't enough to salvage the bad parts. I guess I gave it one and a half stars. Um, uh, maybe it's one that I would revisit at some point. Maybe I was being a little harsh on it. But on that original watch through, I was not feeling it at all. Um, these next, the next ones, um, I think I watched the first one with Jared, and I watched the second one by myself, but back to back, um, two days in a row, I watched Creep and Creep 2. Um, so I think I watched Creep with Jared. Um, this is another found footage film. Jared really loves found footage films, so that's a lot of the horror films that we watch when we're together. Um, and Creep is basically about, um, a guy who's looking for work, and he finds an online ad for someone who's hiring a videographer, basically. So, he shows up to this house, and he just decides to go for it. So, he goes to the remote, uh, mountain town, where he meets Yosef, and who is the cinematic subject of what he's trying to do. Um, he's sincere... And the project seems heartfelt, like Yosef really wants his life documented. Um, so Aaron begins to film him, but as the day goes on, it becomes clear that Yosef is not who he says, and his attentions are not always pure. This is another one I think people have seen images of online a lot, um, because you see the character with, like, the wolf mask on. And basically, the entire film is, basically, this guy is a serial killer. Um, and he's done this to a bunch of people, and he films the murders, and then he just sort of moves on and tries to do it to someone else. Um, in Creep 2, you can't do the same thing that you did with Creep 1, because everyone's sort of in on it. And in this one, of course, they're hiring a videographer again, but this time it's a young female videographer who is... Basically, she does, like, an internet show on YouTube where she's documenting, like, weird and strange people... And this is someone that she's going to document. And basically, I don't want to give away everything about Creep and Creep 2 because there's a lot of weird intricacies to it. But basically, she knows that he's a killer. And he straight up like admits that he's a killer. Um, and basically, they're trying to kill each other on camera. Um, I think Creep 2 might be slightly better than Creep 1. Um, but it's tough to say. Um, Creep 2, I, th I think it's really cool because... The viewers are really in on it, too, just like the characters are in on it. Um, I'm excited for Creep 3 when they finally make it. Um, I hope they make Creep 3. Um, but both those films are two and a half. I mean, again, they're nothing very, like, moving the pin at all. Um, but I think they're very good, especially for modern found footage horror films. Um... And there's some imagery in those that are going to stick with you as well. Some scenes um, that are very uncomfortable. Um, so I, I recommend both films. Um, it's just nothing that's really gonna... I don't know. It's nothing that's very, very noteworthy. But they're both very enjoyable. I'm glad I saw both of them. Um, next, after that, I watched Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I did this because I did a review of it last year for The House of Horror. So obviously I had to rewatch it. I did a whole podcast about that one. So I'm not going to go too deep into Halloween 3. You can just go and listen to my full review of it. I talked about Halloween 3 for about 20 minutes. Uh, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but if you're curious about my thoughts about Halloween 3, you can go ahead and watch that episode. Next, I watched Hubie Halloween, which is not totally a horror film. It's mainly a comedy. Um, this was Adam Sandler's 
thousandth comeback. <clears throat> Everyone says, oh, Adam Sandler's coming back. It's a good comedy. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is cracking up. I'm actually going to get a sip of water in a second here. Um, but Hubie Halloween, um, again, is Adam Sandler. And it's a comedy film that takes place on Halloween. And basically, Hubie, who despite his devotion to his hometown of Salem, Massachusetts, and its legendary Halloween celebrations, is a figure of mockery for kids and adults alike. But this year, something is really going to bump in the night, and it's up to Hubie to save Halloween. Um, I think it was, I was a little harsh on it. Um, in my first review of it, I gave it one and a half stars, but then I actually went on Letterboxd and adjusted it to two, because although the film is very bad at points, um, I can tell that there was a lot of heart thrown into it, there was a lot of effort thrown into it, and I feel like they were really trying to make something great. I feel like they were very, really trying to make a film that families can watch together on Halloween, um... It is a family film. I mean, there's some adult humor in it, obviously. I mean, it's an Adam Sandler film, but I think it's rated PG or PG-13. Um, but parts of it are just so bad, and I feel bad because, as I said, I think they were trying to do something good. Because, I mean, like, every celebrity... Um, well, I don't want to say every celebrity, but I can see it being as a dream for some people to have a film that people watch every single year. Like, Will Ferrell, right? Everyone watches Elf every how every Christmas, you know? It's one of those films everyone watches, just like Christmas Story. So I feel like if a celebrity can jump on the chance to get into, like, a holiday film that's going to stand the test of time and people are going to keep revisiting year after year, um, I feel like that's what they were trying to do with Hubie Halloween, but it just sort of backfired miserably. Um... And again, I feel really bad about giving it two stars. I, normally, I would give it one and a half, but I bumped it up a little bit just because I felt bad about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe when I have children someday, we'll revisit this, see if they enjoy it. But I don't know. Like, I can't see a lot of people liking this one. Even if you're a big, big Adam Sandler fan, I don't think you're going to say that this is one of his best works. Um, I feel feel bad about it. I'm not going to keep going on about it. The next film I watched is Megan is Missing. This is another one that I've talked about on other shows a lot. Very, very disturbing film. Um, it's basically about Megan being missing and trusting people online who maybe you shouldn't be trusting. Um, it's a very bad film. It's very, very bad. Um, it's horribly made. The acting is abysmal. Um, but as we've said in other shows, the last 20 minutes is some of the scariest shit ever because it's something that could really happen. It's not like a supernatural killer. It's not like an over-the-top killer where like, oh, this would never happen in real life. Like, this is a film that could very easily happen in real life, and that's what makes it so terrifying. Um, it makes you wish that it was done better, um, but it is what it is. There is a free version on YouTube, and that's the version that I watched. Um, it has, like, Spanish subtitles at the bottom, um, but if you can just disregard those, um, and watch it, obviously, if you speak Spanish, it'll be great for you, but, um, if you just, I mean, it's just something you have to deal with, like, the subtitles are gonna be on the screen, there's no way to turn them off. If you can get past that and watch it for free on YouTube, that's what I would recommend to do. Don't give this film money, um, because I don't think you should. Um, but if you want to check it out, I would definitely say check it out for free at some point. I gave it one star. Um, this normally would be like half a star, but since th there are parts of it that are so genuinely disturbing, um, I bumped it up to one full star. 
The next film I watched, this is another one with Jared, um, this is when we were doing a bunch of Halloween-related videos, so we were watching a lot of films together when we were recording our podcast. Like, we would record an episode of Two Nerds, then we'd watch a film, or maybe two films, something like that. So a lot of these ones I was watching with Jared. Um, so this is called Stillborn. Um, it follows Mary, a new mother who lost one of her twins in childbirth. As she struggles with the loss of one of her children, she starts to suspect something sinister is after her surviving child. A supernatural entity that has chosen her child and will stop at nothing to take it from her. Um, I remember when Jared and I both watched this, it was one of those where we were scrolling through Shudder, just trying to find something to watch, and I think we passed up a lot of good films to watch this one. Um, in this film, it wasn't that great. I gave it two stars. It has some crazy, like, drone shots in it. And one thing I remember about this film, I don't remember, like, too much about it, but the houses in this are, like, so extravagant. And it's just something, like, I get it, like, as a filmmaker, you want to film nice things, you want to make things look pretty. But it's just a pet peeve of mine that everyone in films is just, like, stupid rich. Like, there's, like, giant mansions, these big, like, lakes in people's backyards. It's just like, Jesus Christ, like, what are these people? People do for a living like holy shit like i don't know i feel like every film like everyone's a multi-millionaire or it's on the complete opposite side of the spectrum where there are people who are like very poor like in stranger things like you see like their house um you don't see very much of like the middle class like families like people are always like doctors and lawyers and i don't know it's just hard to see stuff that's like relatable in a lot of films it's always like a pet peeve of mine like when films are like these characters are overly abundantly rich um, and yeah, so that actually rounds out October that year, so we still have November and December, um, to get through of the films that I watched. So the first film that I watched in, uh, November was Host, and this is a film that Jared was praising, um, of course this film was shot, um, conceptualized, um, filmed, edited, everything during COVID, um, and the characters in the film, the entire thing is on Zoom. The entire thing is on a screen, um, which they've done in the past with films like Unfriended and Searching and stuff like that, where the entire thing is electronic. It's all on a computer screen. But this one, it really works because this is what everyone was doing at the time. Everyone was on Zoom either in college or talking to their friends or at work on Zoom. And it's just something that was really relatable at the time. It's a very genius film in that regard to be able to do something like that and to think of doing it. Of course, this was a Shudder original, I believe, directed by Rob Savage. It's a very short film. It's under an hour, which is commendable because, I mean, it was shot dur in, during COVID and everything. So I, it's good. It has a nice, like, brisk runtime. It's a very easy film to watch. It's not too long. About half the length of a normal film. Um, to be honest, someone new has joined the meeting. Six friends hire a medium to hold a seance via Zoom during lockdown. And of course, they're getting more than they bargained for. A ton of crazy shit's going on. This film says it's so new, and since I don't know if a lot of people have seen it, I don't really want to give everything away with it, but there's a lot of really cool things going on, like, in Zoom, you can make, like, your own, like, custom background, so, like, there's a thing where, like, a guy, like, keeps constantly walking into the background and stuff like that, um, it's just a really great film, again, it's supernatural, it deals with the seance, and, you know, 
There's a lot of twists and turns along there on the... Uh, I cannot talk. I apologize to everyone out there. Why do I host a podcast? I cannot speak. I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> I don't know why I do this. I can never fucking talk. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns along the, ro- uh, along the way. A lot of twists and turns along the way. So definitely go and check out Host. Alright, so moving on after Host, um, for the rest of November, I didn't really watch too many horror films. I don't know if I was just, I don't know, I don't know if I needed just like a horror cleanse, because in October I was of course talking about horror films all the time, making horror videos, watching horror films. Um, so in, in November, besides Host, I didn't really watch too many horror films, um, but one that I did watch, um, rewatch actually, um, cause I had seen it many, many years prior, was Ginger Snaps, of course from the year 2000. Hungry Like the Wolf. The story of two outcast sisters in the mindless suburban town of Bailey Downs. Of course, we're talking about Ginger and Bridget. On the night of Ginger's first period, she is savagely attacked by a wild creature. Ginger's wounds miraculously heal, but something is not quite right. Now Bridget must save her sister and save herself. Um, Ginger Snaps is a really great coming-of-age film. Um, It's something I really enjoyed um, back when I first saw it. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much on this second viewing, mainly because when I first watched it, I was more in that age range. Um, And for me, just like it's hard now, as someone who's nearly 30 years old, to get into coming-of-age films. Um, I get everyone likes to, like, look back on their high school years and stuff like that, but, like, for me, like, it's something that just doesn't interest me as much anymore. I tend to want to forget high school. Um, so, I don't know, I'm not really into films like The Breakfast Club, um, all those John Hughes films, Ferris Bueller, like, stuff like that. Like, something just about that time period of life isn't as relatable to me anymore, and I don't really enjoy it. The only, like, coming-of-age film that takes place, like, in high school that I really, really love. There's two of them. One's Napoleon Dynamite and one is Superbad. Um, But besides that, that whole, like, genre of film just isn't as appealing to me at this stage in my life. Um, So I gave it two and a half. Um, I, of course, previously when I watched it, it was before Letterboxd existed. Um, and I think I liked it a little bit more back then. Um, but it's a great werewolf film, great coming-of-age film. I can't really say anything bad about it, but just for me personally, I'm just not a fan of coming-of-age kind of stuff. And of course, this takes a twist on it, which I which I do enjoy. Um, but I, I really liked it, my wife really liked it. Um, but it's just not a genre I'm into as much anymore. Um, the next film we watched was The Sacrament. And of course... We did a whole podcast about the sacrament. Um, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. Dynamite Jared was with us for that one. His first and only appearance on the House of Horror was when we watched the sacrament with the Midnight Miles Mandroid. Um, besides that, he hasn't been back on the House of Horror. So if you guys want Jared back on the House of Horror, definitely let him know. I would love to have him on again, obviously, um, because... I don't know, I love talking about horror films, and a lot of times on the Two Nerds podcast, there's not as much time for that as I would like, um, and I just like putting out content, obviously, so this podcast is just another way for me to keep 
putting out content. Of course, I love getting my friends involved and stuff like that. So if you have a, an episode that you want Jared and I to do on the House of Horror, please let me know. Of course, like the concept of the House of Horror is different than Two Nerds, so Two Nerds is basically like a free platform where we talk about whatever we want. On House of Horror, we have like more of like a set like structure of what we're going to do. So it's, the shows just sort of have different vibes. Um, but I'd love to have Jared on. Of course, we're doing some stuff this October as well with Jared, obviously. <laughs> but if anything else you guys want to see with Jared, please let me know. So into December, so this is the last month out of the year. Obviously, December, if you guys know your months. Um, I watched End of Days, which was, of course, for an episode of Two Nerds when we talked about Arnold films. It was Arnold, Januarnold, or whatever we call it. Arnold Swartz in January. I can't even remember what we called it. But End of Days is the film where Arnold versus the devil. Um, So if you want more information on that, go check out our episode about End of Days. Um, Jared really liked End of Days. I mean, I thought parts of it were pretty shitty. Um, but Jared really liked it. He's a big champion of this film. So, obviously, during December, to keep up with what we were doing, I was watching a ton of Arnold films. So, again, the horror films in December are pretty light. So, the podcast is going to be winding down very shortly. Um, because there's only a few films left to talk about in December. Um, End of Days... And then after that, I don't know if you're going to count these as horror films, but they're vampire films, so I'm going to talk about it, is I rewatched all of the Twilight films. Um, I'm not going to go in-depth on them, but I'm just going to bring them up that I watched all of the Twilight films in December. A lot of people hate on those films, obviously, um, with good reason. But for me, like, they're teen romance movies, and as far as teen romance movies goes, why not throw vampires in? Why not throw werewolves in? Um, for me, I'm all for it, and there's so many, like, crappy teen romance movies out there. When you compare them to Twilight, Twilight really isn't that bad in comparison to some of the stuff out there. Um, hopefully, I don't know if this is gonna happen or not, um, we're gonna be doing some Twilight podcasts on the show. Um, so I'm gonna keep my words about Twilight brief, um, because those may or may not be happening on the show. So, if not, if that doesn't happen, I will do a podcast all about Twilight by myself, but I'm hoping to get some guests on to do some Twilight-related content. So, we'll see how that goes. Gremlins was the next film we watched. It was around Christmas time in December, obviously, so I wanted to sort of watch a Christmas horror movie. Um, so, Gremlins it was. Gremlins is perhaps the best Christmas horror movie out there. Um, it's tough to say, though, but if as far as... Christmas horror movies go, I don't think you can get much better than Gremlins. It has something for everyone. It's a horror film. It's a comedy. It is a coming-of-age film. It's a creatures-run-amuck film. It's everything rolled into one. Uh, Don't get them wet. Keep them out of the sun. And never feed them after midnight. Um, I don't know what to say about Gremlins, man. You guys have all seen Gremlins. I've obviously seen Gremlins. Um... I watched it with my wife. I don't know if it was her first time watching it or not. We both really enjoyed it. We had talked about watching Gremlins 2, like, the next day, and then we got busy or something, and we forgot. We still haven't watched Gremlins 2. So we're going to have to watch Gremlins 2 very, very soon, me and my wife. We're going to put that on my list. Um, We watched Bride of Chucky um, a couple days later. Um, I'm not sure why we watched Bride of Chucky. I think we just felt like watching... Bride of Chucky. I think at that time, the um, Jennifer Tilly sound clip 
on TikTok was trending the like, sorry, I'm not into short guys. Um, so we watched Bride of Chucky, of course, it's a riot. Um, there's only a few Chucky films that I think have no redeemable qualities. Um, Bride of Chucky is primarily a comedy, of course, um, but it still has some horror elements. It's still a good horror film. Um, I gave it three stars. Um, I can't remember what I thought of it when I was younger. I don't know if it's any better or worse than what I thought. Um, we might have to rank all the Chucky films at some point on the channel. Um, should be interesting. But Bride of Chucky, I think, is very middle of the road. Um, I'd rather watch that one than, like, the remake. Um, I'd rather watch that one than Seed of Chucky. Um, and maybe a couple others. Like, I can't remember if Chucky 3 was any good. It's been really long since I've seen Chucky 3. I love Chucky 2. I love Cult of Chucky. I love Curse of Chucky. Um, so I think Bride is pretty middle of the road when it comes to... Chucky films. I mean, I don't know. It's very, very middle of the road. The next one I watched is a film that had been on my list for many, many years since I worked at Family Video because um, it was a new release at the time. This was in 2015 when I was working at the store, 2015 and 2016. And this is a Christmas horror story. And if you've seen the cover of this film, is basically Santa going head-to-head -head with Krampus. And I thought this film is going to suck, but it's going to be great. Turns out, it just sucks. Um, I did not have a good time with this film at all. Um, this is another anthology, I believe, and the tagline says, You better watch out. Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy, peace, and goodwill, but for some folks in a small town of Bailey Downs, it turns into something much less festive. I think Bailey Downs was the same town as Ginger Snaps. Is that what I just read? I'm going back to Ginger Snaps. Bailey Downs. Was that the fucking town? Bailey Downs, they take place in this, holy shit. So a Christmas horror story and Ginger Snaps take place in the same cinematic universe and the same town. That is insane. Um, they probably don't even know that. Um, but we have discovered it here on the House of Horror. Breaking news, a Christmas horror story and Ginger Snaps are the same. They're the same film. But no, this film is absolute fucking trash, bro. Um, and I feel bad because I was really looking forward to it being like a so bad it's good movie, and it was just really bad. William Shatner's in it. I can't tell you a damn thing about this movie, other than Krampus and Santa allegedly fight. Um, I can't remember anything else about it. There, I think there was like a sh um, a segment where like elves are killing people, or maybe it's like gingerbread men or something. I can't fucking tell you. Um, it was really bad. Um, of course, there's much better Christmas movies to watch. Even the film Krampus. I like the film Krampus, the one with Adam Scott or whatever. Um, I thought that was a good one. But stay away from that. Of course, winding out the year, um, I'm finishing up the Twilight films. And I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is sort of like a horror film. It's sort of just like a very weird... Um, atmospheric, like, acid trip film that doesn't make a lot of sense on your first viewing, uh, but then once you get to the end, you sort of feel, you sort of know what's going on, but a lot of the time when you're watching it for the first time at the beginning, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Um, nothing is as it seems when a woman experiencing misgivings about her new boyfriend joins him on a road trip to meet his parents at their remote farm. And if you've seen the posters for this film... Um, or the trailers or anything like that, 
you know that it's going to be a little bit of a weird film. You may not know what to expect. Um, apparently, it's based off of a book. I have not read the book, clearly. Um, but it's a very well-acted film. It's a very well-directed film. Um, it's just a little too odd for my taste. I feel like it's one of those films that really tries to be artsy and out there. Um, and for me, I think it's a little pretentious. But I still, I still liked it quite a bit. Um, I gave it three and a half. It's something I think that could have been a lot better had it not been... I don't know. I don't know what could have made it better. Um, but for me, it just didn't hit every single mark to sort of get into that great, great film category. I just think it's a very good film. Three and a half. I don't think it's fantastic. I think it's very good. It's like one stop short of being something fantastic, but I can't tell you what that one stop is. Um, but I enjoy it. It's one that I want to watch again. Maybe now that I, maybe now after knowing the ending, rewatching the whole thing, I'll be able to piece some more stuff together and really be able to enjoy the film a lot more. But as of right now, that's what it is. Um, and I believe the last horror film that I saw in 2020, for some reason, is House of Frankenstein. Um, all the all of the screen's greatest titans of terror together in the greatest of all screen sensations is what it says. An evil scientist and a hunchback escape from prison and encounter Dracula, the Wolfman, and Frankenstein's monster. Um, this is where the monster mash genre really kicks into full gear. Um, people like okay, so Twilight, for example, people think that like through mythology and you know, stories that have passed down from generation upon generation, the vampires and werewolves have always sort of been mortal enemies, which has not really been the case, because when you look at what a vampire is in terms of, like, the legends of mythology, a vampire sort of is a werewolf. He can turn into a wolf. Um, so the line between a werewolf and a uh, vampire is a little rocky. Um, of course, a werewolf turns into a wolf at the moonlight, and there's nothing he can do about it. With Dracula, he can turn into a wolf at will. So it's a little bit different, but regardless, this was one of the first films that's bringing all of these monsters together. You've got Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, Dracula, Hunchback, and a Mad Doctor. This was the first one in universal cinematic universe where all these were together then there was like house of dracula stuff like that but i believe house of frankenstein was the first don't quote me on that i don't have the years in front of me but i think house of frankenstein was before house of dracula um where all the monsters are coming together you have boris karloff as the mad scientist you have john carradine as dracula um you have lon chaney as the wolfman of course and jay carroll nash i believe he was the hunchback character um, in this film, it doesn't, even though it was the first film where all of them are together, the Dracula character and the Wolfman never are on screen together at the same time. Um, Dracula is actually vanquished very early on, and then the last portion of the story has to do with the Frankenstein monster and the Wolfman, and of course Boris Karloff and the Hunchback running around. There's like a bizarre love triangle with the Wolfman, um, a woman he likes, and the Hunchback also likes that woman. Um, and of course, Frankenstein's in the mix. The Mad Doctor's in the mix. The only one missing is Dracula. Dracula is just a plot device to get everyone where they need to be. Um, which is a shame. You should have thrown Dracula in the whole film. But that's what House of Dracula and Abaddon Costello meet 
Frankenstein and all those other films are for. This is really just like a setup to that. Um, I can't remember who plays the monster in this one. Is it Bella Lugosi that plays the monster in House of Frankenstein? I need to look up House of Frankenstein on IMDb. This is the last film that we're talking about. So while I'm looking up some of the facts about House of Frankenstein, I want to encourage all of you guys, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, leave me a voicemail, um, tweet to me, all kinds of stuff like that. Just do everything you can to get in touch with me. I really appreciate everything you guys do. Um, so yeah, Boris Karloff, the the Mad Doctor, Lon Chaney Jr., Lawrence Talblett, the Wolfman, of course. J. Carol Nash is Daniel the Hunchback. John Carradine as Dracula. But who was the Frankenstein monster? I want to say it's Bela Lugosi. Was it Bela Lugosi? Oh no, it was Glenn Strange. Okay, it was still Glenn Strange at the time. That's what my original thought was. But... It was one of the other ones where it's played by Bella Lugosi. That might that must be House of Dracula or something. Um, but Glenn Strange, quite a strange guy. Um, but I I enjoy House of Frankenstein. Um, there are a few Universal monster films that are tough to get through. Um, I get it. They're black and white. <clears throat> They're black and white. They were made a long time ago. Sometimes modern audiences aren't going to get into those. I think House of Frankenstein is a very fun film. Um, and if you can get into it. Um, there's a lot of other films that are similar to that that you should be getting into as well around that time. The Monster Mash films of the 40s are a lot more entertaining than some of the solo stuff in the 30s. Um, but I enjoy pretty much every Universal Monster film. There are some that I don't like, obviously. Um, but this is one I think modern audiences could really get into. Same with like Bride of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. Um, there's a lot of them out there that are pretty dry. Um, and it's tough to get through. I love them. But I can see, like, the casual viewer being like, oh, what the hell's this? Um, but House of Frankenstein, I think, is a very good one to watch, of course. Um, and that was the last film that I watched in 2020. Of course, I can't leave you guys hanging, so we are going to be doing a podcast of the films that I watched in 2021. Um, and this is probably just going to be a yearly tradition to do these kind of things. Um, hopefully, I get a little bit better at doing them. I know this podcast was a little rough and rocky. If you guys... Um, have any suggestions, let me know down in the comments below. Tweet to me. If you guys have any ideas for future episodes you want me to do either with guests or solo shows, let me know down below. Of course, I love watching horror films. I love reviewing horror films. But I also want to do some other things on the podcast as well. I want to do more fact videos. I want to do more interviews. I want to do stuff like that. Um, I never wanted to be a YouTuber that just does reviews all the time. Um, I want to bring something new to the table, do something different than just straight up reviews. Um, because there are a ton of people that just do the reviews, and that's fine. I don't think we need another person just strictly doing only horror reviews. Um, so, that's why I like to do things different, but of course, reviews are always going to be part of it. So if you have any films you want me to review, any films that I can check out um, to do in future episodes, let me know if there's stuff that... I've watched in this one that you have also watched. Let me know your thoughts about them below. Maybe I'll do like a fan response episode or something like that. Um, just anything you guys want to hear, I'm open to recording. If you want to hear it, I'm open to doing it. So let me know your thoughts. Um, and that's about it for this week, you guys. Um, I don't know when the next episode's coming out because... I know I've said that we're doing a video every single day. I don't know if that's the case. At the time of recording this, to be quite honest, it doesn't look like there's going to be 31 videos in 31 days. Um, so I don't know if the next video is going to be tomorrow 
in a couple days next week. I don't know what it's going to be, um, but you're going to be getting new content from me regardless. So whatever you want to hear, let me know down in the comments below. And that is about it for this episode, you guys. Again, just thanks for listening. If you're sticking through to the end, um, let me know what your favorite werewolf movie is. That's how I'll know if you've listened to this whole thing. If you have listened to this whole thing, just tweet to me what your favorite werewolf movie is. That's how I'll know. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Um, I'll catch your ass down the road. Stay spooky, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Take care of others. Um, and watch a lot of good horror films. That's all I can ask for you guys. Watch good horror films. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Um, and that's it, everyone. So take care and stay spooky.